With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. This week is going to be our defensive lineman position preview episode. I know it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm your host, Andrew. We have your co-host, Matt, and Vitor here as well. Uh, Guys, I know uh, we got a lot of people to talk about today. This is probably the deepest unit on the team, so I think it's best to just jump right in like we have been with these position previews. Uh, We're going to go to the first guy on the list. I think probably the brightest star on the defensive line right now, and at least over the last year, definitely, and that is Quinnen Williams, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, drafted third overall two years ago. Uh, Quinnen has been a wonderful player in his second year after a slightly disappointing rookie year for a third overall pick. But he really blossomed last year. You could see that he was better in shape. Uh, his pass rushing was a hell of a lot more refined. His numbers increased drastically, and he was positively graded as one of the probably 10 best defensive tackles in the NFL by any metric you look at. And heading into this next year, the arrow is just pointing upwards because Quinnen Williams is going to go into a system where he's going to be getting to play three tech primarily. And he got to do that some when he was uh, under Greg Williams, but they moved him around a lot and he would play some shade nose as well. Uh, sometimes slide out and be on the end in a, a you know five man front. And he's just going to be able to get head over on the outside shoulder of the guard and just attack. And that's where, if you look at, we just had Jess X factors, Michael Mania put out uh, just a few days ago, an article talking about where he was best pass rushing. He was best as a three tech the numbers back that up more so than just the tape. And this system is going to, it's going to unlock him. Like it has guys like DeForest Buckner, uh, like guys like Eric Armstead, you know, any guy Robert, Robert Sala has worked with, that's going to play that three tech role where they just get to be head up and attack. And they don't have to worry about playing contain or two gapping and just let their athleticism do all the work. It's the perfect scheme for Quinn and Williams. I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with this year. I'd love to know what you guys think about this as well, but I imagine it's pretty similar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the big bummer is that he's injured right now. He's going to miss OTAs. OTAs. He's going to miss minicamp. But he'll be ready for week one. Uh, I would have liked to have him gel a little bit with these guys uh, because this group is only going to be better with him in it. Everybody's going to be better because he's there, him and Lawson, right next to each other. Uh, Those two are going to combined to be a monstrous force uh, i really can't wait to see what these two do together all year round you know everyone knows how ken is great against run and last year he blossomed into a great pass version i feel like this is going to be the year that kenny Williams is going to make the noise the NFL. as andrew said this system you know he can play one gap and attack greg williams came on early down the jets played a lot of three four had to worry about the run here Kenny is going to get to the quarterback and stop the run while getting to the quarterback you know, he, he'll be free. He'll attack. Uh, everybody watched Fly 2021 and Jeff Obrich, he said, I wouldn't run Kenan's way if I were other teams. Because if other teams run Kenan's way, he would have already penetrated into the backfield. Because that's going to be all about it for Kenan Williams this season. I feel like he can be a 10 plus sack guy in this defense, really. Because defensive, offensive linemen, you have to focus on the outside with Corey Lawson, Vinny Curry, JFM, or whoever else the Jets bring. And I feel like Quinnen's going to get favorable matchups on the inside. A lot of one-on-one with guards. I think Andrew feels the same way, right? Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you guys. Uh, like I said at the beginning, 
he's just going to get more opportunities to do what he's best at. And that's attack up field when he was at Alabama. Uh, and the really, the thing that made him the third overall pick about at Alabama is that they would play him mainly at nose tackle, but he would slide into three tech every now and again. And when he did, he was borderline unblockable. I, I, at the college level, we're talking about the only other guy I have seen be better as an interior pass rusher than Quinnen Williams coming out of college recently was Aaron Donald at Pittsburgh. that is the type of prospect he was as a three tech pass rusher. Now he's going to get to do it full time. And it's, we've seen his improvement and trajectory is really important. When you have a guy that improved under a bad coaching staff, imagine how much he's going to improve under a good coaching staff. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be night and day between Greg Williams, Adam Gase and Robert Stahl's defense. Uh, And I, I, I really, want to see what everybody else does like we know that q and lawson are going to be great we know that offenses are going to focus on them whether it's guard center taking on q and then having a tackle tight end or a tight end chipping or maybe a running back coming over to help they're going to focus on shoring up that side which is going to leave so many favorable matchups on the other side and they're not going to it's not going to be like a huge drop off in and talent too. You're going to have guys that know how to get to the quarterback. So it's, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I'm going to go ahead and make this point at the top of the show. Cause it's going to carry through the rest of it. Joe Douglas grew up in Baltimore and in Philadelphia, two places that do nothing but stock their defensive line to the gills. And that is exactly what he has done with his time in New York when he's had the opportunity, and especially recently, is just load up with bodies, keep everybody fresh so that you can constantly be attacking, constantly be causing disruption. And it's it's exactly what Robert Sala wants to do. Yeah, all the moves point towards to that. Jets tacked up on this D-line. I know I love it. And I wrote a piece last week about it. If the D-line creates pressure, everything's going to look good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Vitor, that's a great point to let you go ahead and take off with uh, Carl Lawson. Uh, Talk about creating pressure. Uh, The sack numbers for him haven't necessarily been there, but the pressure numbers certainly have. And I think the sack numbers are going to follow real soon. Yeah, you know, Carl Lawson, man, what a great signing. You know, it's Mm -hmm. also great to hear Jets staff talking about how they are not looking for the obvious stat sheet, right? Obert said that too. We entered free agency. We had Trey Hendrickson, I think, had 10 plus sacks, 12 sacks. 13. And Carl Lawson, who didn't, 13 sacks. And Lawson, who didn't have more than, what, six sacks. I think it was four and a half, five sacks. Four and a half. Yeah. And and, and the Jets were pretty sure what they're going to do. They're going to sign Lawson no matter what. They're going to go after Lawson because they saw that he had a pass rush rush win rate a lot bigger, a lot. he, He won a lot more than Trey Hendrickson. Yeah, and, he's and more consistent. Yeah, you know, you, you, you just need to watch Lawson State. He was beating tackles one-on-one every time he had a chance. There were a lot of, a lot of times where Lawson was double-teamed, where he couldn't jump his shoes a beat. Like, he will be able to here in the system, as Obrich also said. So Lawson is coming. You know, I feel like it's the perfect opportunity for a career jump for Lawson. He's playing on, he was playing on a team that didn't give him the freedom the Jets will. He's playing out in a much, much more talented D-line where he will face better matchups. And he, he has all the talent in the world. It's like he just needs that half second to, to take the sacks. And Obert said that too. With our interior D-linemen, quarterbacks won't be able to step up like they did against Cincinnati last season. Right. And when quarterbacks don't step up to the inside of the pocket, edge rushers will eat. And Lawson's a guy that's constantly in the backfield and it's another guy that you, you, you have to expect him plus X, right? If the Jets are able to get the other teams in 35 plus yards or situations, you're going to see a lot of just straight pass rush snaps from Lawson per game. And he is a key piece to this defense, key piece to this defense. Him and Kiel should be our main sack leaders, and I'm excited to see. Uh, yeah, Lawson's a, a beast. <laughs> it's uh, what he offers. It's something that we haven't had in so long. And it's so refreshing to finally have a GM that understands exactly what we need and goes out and gets it. And Sam and uh, Lawson is, is, is by far the best edge rusher we've had in a very long time. And like we just said with Q, you have him next to him, you're going to have him next to Q. So you're going to have to 
really choose your battles on offense, who you're going to try to take away. Because as soon as you do, there's going to be somebody else there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just went and I looked this up real quick because, Vitor, you you made me think about it with what you were just talking about with uh, Ulbrich on Flight 2021 when he was talking about not being able to step up in the pocket. Um, So I just went back real quick and I looked up Carl Lawson's career sack numbers and his actual best season statistically was his rookie year in 2017 where he had eight and a half sacks. You know who he had next to him that had nine sacks that year? Gino Atkins. Yep, exactly. And it's proof that when you have pressure from the interior and you have a guy that forces quarterbacks to have to stand where they are and not be able to step up and either have to escape behind or side to side edge rushers get the ability to finish those sacks more often. It's when you get guys like Carl Lawson who stack up a lot of pressures, but don't necessarily get the sack numbers when they don't have the interior guy to clean it up. And especially in this defense, when everything works right, again, we're going to, we're going to see different things. This is not just going to be a static, you know, four, three cover three press bail, every play scheme, but a lot of it. And a lot of what they want to do is that, and that's going to be the goal for a majority of their snaps. They're not going to be doing much more than rushing four. And when you aren't rushing four, you have to have guys that can generate pressure and sometimes draw two blockers at once. Quinn and Williams needing a guard and maybe the center is really, really important to keep Carl Lawson free one-on-one with the tackle. Or if you have to slide people out because Carl Lawson's beating the hell out of your tackle, that's going to give Quinnen a one-on-one on the inside with the guard. Or if you double team, then you have two single matchups or two-on-one the other way. You're you're kind of in a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation, and it's why you need one of each of these guys. And it's really important for Quinnen and Carl Lawson to hit their strides and do it early and often because it will set up everything else for the rest of the team and the rest of this defense. And that was his rookie year too. Yeah. That he, him and Atkins were together. So I don't even, I, I, I definitely didn't expect him, him to be that seasoned to be that, you know, well-rounded as a mm-hmm. pass pressure his first year. So he's only gotten better. So if you have a Geno Atkins type right next to him, yeah, I'm expecting big things. To say the least. Yeah. Yeah. They have, they have the guys that can be their stars. And I think in the modern NFL more so than maybe years prior, it's really important that you have your star edge pass rusher, but you need your star interior guy too. I mean, it, it everything else is going to revolve around that. And it's why we let ta- off the show with Quinnen. And it's why we had Carl Lawson second, because those are the two most important guys. All right. Well, that's going to lead us to the next guy on the list. That is going to be Vinny Curry. Uh, Matt, you got him. So go ahead, take it away. All right. Well, I've been a Marshall fan going back to when I could record all over my, my sister's recital VHSs with Pennington and Moss games. And then flash forward to 2010, I started to really get into a dominant edge defender uh, who exploded onto the scene, uh, and that was Vinny Curry. In his uh, junior year, he nearly had 100 tackles and 12 sacks. His senior year was almost as dominant. Uh, I may have been a homer, but I was smitten with the guy right away. Uh, I very much wanted Curry over Stephen Hill. Uh, and we know how that went. Uh, it was the way he played that really jumped out at me. On every play, you knew you were getting 100% effort from Curry. Uh, he had a great get-off and power to boot. Uh, he bulked up a, quite a bit since college. Uh, he's no longer playing at 241. He's right around 279. Uh, but he still has that explosion. Uh, he isn't just an effort guy, though. He has a good variety of pass rushing moves to get home. Uh, especially like his speed to power ability. He mixes this in with a great dip and rip. Uh, and even at 279, tackles need to respect his speed. Because if you anchor down expecting that bull, he will rip and dip and go right around you. He isn't afraid to mix it up with violent hands in, on inside uh, counters either. He was uh, billed as a, as a great run defender coming out. But uh, in, in the NFL, he's sort of, cemented himself as a rotational uh, pass rush specialist. And that's sort of where I see him staying, even with the Jets. There's just way too many studs on this team to really give anybody outside of Lawson and Q uh, a dominant share of the snaps. Uh, But Curry will definitely see his share. Uh, He is the oldest player on the team at 33. Uh, and with him, he brings experience, leadership, and durability. Uh, he'll, he'll contend with guys like uh, 
Franklin Myers and upstarts like Huff and uh, and Blair. But in the end, he's got the experience. He has what it takes, and he still has some left in the tank to really sort of build a role on this team as a specialist. I see on third downs him sort of uh, just, uh, just staying outside while maybe JFM gets kicked inside. And he'll, he'll take advantage of everybody else focusing on everybody else with guys, like we said, with Lawson and Q. You're going to have very favorable matchups for a guy like Curry on the outside, and he will take full advantage of this. What do you guys think? Yeah, I also love Curry. You know, Curry is a guy that he's proven around in this league, right? He can be a true good pass rusher, especially when utilized correctly. The thing with Curry is I read that he was getting some base start looks in minicamp, like four tree base, the Jets go Curry and Lawson on the edges. And I love to hear for a guy like Andrew, who I know who's think, he's been thinking a lot about who's going to be the four stars at this D lineman. Do you think Vinny Curry has what it takes to be the Jets' second-edge second defender, starter player in base defense? I have my questions about it. I don't know how the Jets will approach it, if they will play with JFM or Curry in base. But, you know, I've never seen Vinny Curry being a three-down football player before. I don't know if it's going to happen now. Um, I think he will be your starter as your base end. I don't think he's going to be your starter when it's passing downs. So I don't think he is your three down, every down base end. As Matt just said, he's the oldest player on the team at 33. And while he has been durable and he's played a lot of games throughout his career, he hasn't missed a ton. He's playing, you know, a solid player in the time that he's been around. You're still 33 and he's played on teams, specifically the Eagles, where they've had a deep defensive line to where he hasn't had to be the every down guy. And that's kind of given him an ability to have a little more longevity throughout his career, which is a good thing. But if you're expecting Vinny Curry at 33 to be the other guy across from the edge from Carl Lawson, I think you're going to be a little bit let down. Yeah, that, that's how I view too. The thing with me is that Curry has usually been a guy that plays the pass snaps, right? He, mm-hmm. he, he's a as, a as a pass rusher. And in the Jets team, he would have to share this responsibility maybe with JFM. I don't know. Maybe I, the Jets still haven't found out who is going to be this strong end, or they won't even play with a strong end. They will let Curry, who's the older guy, he can play obviously the, the strong base end, get the early share of snaps while they kept JFM fresh for later in the game, maybe even Bryce Huff. But the thing is, bringing in Vinny Curry is all about what we were all saying before. Everything starts up front, everything starts with this D line. If they can create pressure with the front four, and you know, the best type of D linemen are fresh D linemen who are ready to eat and hunt on every down. Agreed. Agreed. See, here's the... The oh, go ahead, Matt. My, son. Uh, My bad. See, he was a full-time starter for one year in 2017, I believe. And that was yep. by far his best year. He had close to 62 pressures. Uh, and like we were talking with Lawson, sacks are and everything. He only had three sacks, I believe. But his pressure rate was very good. Uh, the only issue is that he misses a good amount of tackles. And so you can't really be reliant on rundowns if you're going to be missing tackles a lot. The thing is, is JFM much better? Um, see, that is that is the question. And I don't want to I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because I want to stay on this point with Vinny Curry. But I, we are going to get into the point where I personally think JFM is is our other defensive tackle more than he's our defensive end. And so that in turn kind of leads me to think that the jets are going to run a little more wide nine, maybe than people are expecting. And they're kind of just going to keep everyone spread out, let their linebackers fill the holes in between and give their defensive ends more room on the edges. Maybe, you know, you want to have speed at the sideline. They're going to have that as well, but I think they're just going to try and rather than be in really tight, they're going to be spread out a little bit more. And I think that can maybe help Vinny Curry in run defense because his job is just going to be to get outside shoulder and contain, which is not that different from pass rushing coming off from a wide nine. So if he can just keep contained to the edge and force things back inside, he doesn't have to be the one making the tackle. I can see maybe making that argument. I do agree with what you guys are saying though, and that I'm not sure they have 
the entire rotation or the lineup and everything set out in stone. And it might vary team to team matchup to matchup, you know, situation might have a lot to do with it. I'm sure, but I'm not sure they know either. And I'm going to be hard to predict. The good thing is I think they do have bodies that will be capable when called upon. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Real quick. I don't want to lose this. Any number of things. Yep. Go for it. Sorry, uh, you mentioned he had a hundred, almost a hundred tackles as a junior in college as a defensive end. Yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. Right? As, yeah, yeah. Like I, I didn't want to lose that. I've been thinking about that the entire time since you stepped, you started off. He almost had a hundred tackles as a defensive end. That's insane. That is that is absolutely insane. Which you know, I'll finish with this off off that transition. You can't be that bad of a run defender to have a hundred tackles as a defensive end at some point. He was billed as a great run defender coming out. I mean, he was only 241, so he didn't really have – he wasn't, like, the, the most stout guy out there. But he has good change of direction. He has good instincts. He has uh, good tackling form. Uh, in the NFL, it, it just – he just sort of built a niche for himself as, as a pass rusher. So, And that's sort of what, what has stuck most. Uh, I think he's definitely capable of playing rundowns. Uh, but is he, does he have enough in the tank to be a three down guy? I don't think so. I think he has enough in the tank to definitely be a dominant pass rusher in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a like a, a sparse uh, role. But at the same time, I think that's where he, he belongs. He shouldn't be a three down guy. Yeah, I think we're in agreement there. Um, that'll take us to the next guy um, that I may or may not be a three down guy. I think might depend situationally. And that's going to be John Franklin Myers. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting part because we differ. Uh, Matt and I are actually going to have a little back and forth here because we feel kind of a little bit opposite on where we think his best fit and role might be or where he is going to end up playing. And I'm in the camp personally that the Jets are going to do something very similar to what Robert Sala just did in San Francisco. And that's basically run two three techs and not have a true nose. And your three technique defensive tackles are going to be Quinn and Williams and John Franklin Myers attacking inside, just like Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner used to where they didn't worry as much about having that guy. That's kind of your pivot nose. That's even when they're penetrating as a one gap player in a four, three, the nose is still kind of two gapping, trying to just hold the line and be head up over the center or shaded off the center. They didn't necessarily always do that. They would leave the center uncovered a lot and they would just, especially on, on early downs, if they weren't necessarily worried about run or they thought play action, they would just say, okay, we're going to put our two badass defensive tackles right in the B gaps and just send them upfield at you. So you can't step up in the pocket and our defensive ends are going to be coming off the ball so quick. They're going to clean up around the edge. That is what our pass rush wants to be. And I think at its peak, you're going to see that happen with Franklin Myers on the interior. On top of that, he's shown that he is a really, really good interior pass rusher when he gets his opportunities. They haven't been many, but when he's gotten them, he has shown some really, really talented stuff. His swim move is is disgusting. He can put a swim move on a guard and be past them in a blink of an eye. And when you have a guy that that's dangerous next to Quinn and Williams and then Carl Lawson on the other side, maybe it doesn't matter how much Vinnie Curry can contribute or is expected to be the, the every down guy. Because if you have three other guys causing so much havoc, you know, just be Vinnie Curry, the smart veteran player that knows where to be on the play and you'll get enough opportunities to make your play anyway. That's kind of where I lean, Matt. I'm going to let you go ahead and take your side here because I would love to hear your argument. So I, I believe it was an interview I saw in Jets X factor with uh, Franklin Myers, where he was saying, how he probably sees himself more as a first down, second down, left end, uh, only because in run situations, I feel like he's still a little raw when it comes to identifying who's blocking him. Uh, he now all of a sudden he can get hit by three different guys. Where in pass rushing role, he is more able to react faster. I think that will definitely favor him as being kicked into the three tech on passing downs and on running downs. If he is called upon, I think he'll mostly be outside for, for run for rundowns. Definitely. 
Well, honestly, I'm with Andrew here. I think JFM is better inside, but I'm also not sure if he's that much better than Sheldon Rankings as a pass rusher to be our every guy second three tech inside. Honestly, if you like when the Jets go base for three, they're going to get Foley on the field and maybe JFM is going to be the edge guy or Vinny Curry. I think that's the first spot to look at. But as a pass rusher, JFM will be used, primarily used inside, in my opinion, because his moves, the way he rushes the passer is better suited for guards on the inside. I don't see him taking on the speed on the outside. I don't see him bull rushing. He's good at in short spaces, right? And, and that's that's what show what his tape shows when he faces up guards one on one. The thing with JFM here is that he has never been a guy that has played most of his snaps in the defense. So I think that's the reason the Jets also signed Sheldon Rankins to a two-year, $15 million plus deal. He's a guy that's going to participate to. He's going to be part of this rotation. So I could see JFM being a multiple guy, playing early downs on the outside maybe, if not for Curry. I don't think he's going to be great there, but he could play. And he's going to get his money on the inside when he gets those pass-first situations one-on-one of course. And I think that's going to be pretty much it. It was fun hearing him talk about going against Quentin Nelson. Uh, I believe he said he knew Quentin Nelson was a guy that wants to get violent, that wants to attack him. And he saw that as an advantage. He knew that he could take advantage of that and use his quickness to get around Nelson. And he did. Uh, I think the way he diagnoses pass rushing when on the inside is just uh, far superior than his run defending on the inside. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, I don't disagree with you guys. I, I do agree that he is definitely better as an interior pass rusher than an interior run defender. I'm just, my, my idea that I'm getting from everything I hear about the coaching staff and everything else is, Vitor, you said the exact phrase. You took the words out of my brain. Stop the run on the way to the quarterback. And, and they're just going to sit there and go, well, I mean, our, if you're not the most perfect run defender in the world, you know, that's, that's fine. We got fast linebackers to play cleanup. I feel like we're going to see like, I, I'll call my shot. Now. I think the jets defense is going to give up a ton of yards and then not that many points. And they're going to sit there and go, if we give up a, a four yard run or a, an eight yard run every now and again, because John Franklin Myers isn't the best run defender. Well, on third down, we're going to get off the field or on third down, we're going to cause a fumble or we're going to get in the red zone and we're going to pressure the quarterback into an incompletion and force field goal. And it's going to be bend, but don't break. And it kind of, it's not even so much that it's just going to be send pressure and attack and live with the times that it doesn't work. Do you think that it's a, it's a question directly to Andrew and Matthew can tell me your, your opinion. Also, do you guys think JFM is a lot better than Sheldon rankings? Like, Unquestioned starter in front of rankings as an inside pass rusher next to kill. As a pass rusher? Yeah. I think he has a higher upside. Yes, definitely. That was going to be my answer as well. His yeah. potential is better. The yeah. upside is huge. But uh, if we're just talking about pass rusher, now if we're talking about first and second down, I don't think his upside is higher than Foley. Yeah. Honestly, you know, I think him and Sheldon Rankings are going to be in a fun battle in camp of who is going to be the go-to guy next to Kenan on past, past situations for three, 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 three tags, as Andrew said. Who's going to be the one that's the number is going to be called upon to get things going alongside Kill? Because, you know, guys, I really like Sheldon Rankings, too. I love JFM. I love JFM. But I also really like Sheldon Rankings. I think if his health is going to be hard to get him off the field. Yeah, I... I agree. And quite honestly, Sheldon Rankins kind of just helps me make my point. He's another guy that's better as a three tech and they've just stockpiled these dudes. And if that doesn't tell you everything, I mean, they're just they're They have one true nose tackle on the team and it's fully Fadakasi. Everybody else is at worst a shade nose with potential three tech upside. Jonathan Marshall, for everything that he is, he was drafted for his explosion and his athletic talent and potential potentially if everything hits as an interior pass rusher because of his explosion at his size and his strength and his ability to move that quickly and be that fluid at his size. He has no idea what he's doing. He has absolutely no idea where the ball is practically regardless of the play. 
but that athleticism is why they drafted him. They signed Sheldon Rankins. They keep JFM. They say Quinnen's our three tech, and that's all he's going to do is be our three tech. Everything is telling me that they just want penetrators inside and they don't care about anything else. And I'm, I would love to, to be quite honest, it's not necessarily what I think I would do if I was running, you know, the show of everything. I think I would want to have some guys that can be in there and be the solid run defender on early downs to set up those third and longs so you can get your pass rush opportunities and and win the right to rush the passer, as the old saying is you, you earn the right to rush the passer by stopping the run. But everything they're doing makes me think the opposite and that it's just going to be again with Sheldon Rankins it's going to be waves. They're going to have their first line and they're going to have their second line and people might mix in and interchange, but it's going to be, this is our line. And then we're going to play two, three drives. And then this is our other line. And then you're going to play another two, three drives and rotate. And it's just, I I'm waiting to see otherwise, to be quite honest. Yeah. It's going to be a fun battle between Rankins and JFM. Uh, in the end, I think Jonathan Franklin Myers is definitely going to beat Rankins out, but just having a guy like Rankins in the shadows, just speaks to the depth that this this unit has. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of depth and speaking of the only true nose tackle, that's going to lead us to Foley Fadakasi. Vitor, take it away on Foley, the lone nose of the team. Well, Foley, you know, I'm a big fan of Foley. He's a great run stopper. The Jets, you know, they're coming from a long line of good run defenders, right? It was Snacks, and after Snacks, another good nose and Steve McLennan, and now Foley Fadakasi. And that's good. The Jets play a lot of 3-4. They needed that true nose. And right now in a 4-3 scheme, as Andrew said, maybe Foley is the forgotten guy. But honestly, in early downs, when you go 4-3 base, maybe a team that starts the game in 12 or 21 personnel, I cannot see them taking Foley off the field. I cannot see them taking Foley off the field on short yardage situations. He's going to be a true ranker guy. And Foley, you know, he's a talented run stopper. Right? He's not flashy. He's not sexy or exciting as Kenan Williams, Carl Lawson, and all the other guys on the inside, like rankings and JFM. But he gets the job done. And running the football, you know, we, we, we say it as on our offense main goal, we're going to run the ball because we're going to set play action. And yep. many other teams also do. So the Jets have to, in some sort of way, try to stop the run. And that's why I feel like I, I don't think Foley is going to play more than 50% of the snaps in, in, in this season's games, but he's going to still be a guy that contributes, right? And, and Foley also has some underrated pass rush ability. He, mm-hmm. he, he's so strong, he can penetrate sometimes. And, you know, maybe Foley is a guy that under this staff gets developed more as a good pass rusher also. You know, he's a good run, st- run stopper, we all know that. But maybe this is staff, as Andrew said, and he's completely right about it. The Jets don't have a true backup to Foley right now. If Foley goes down, they have to play Kinnan or Nathan Shepard as the one tack knows. So this shows what the Jets want to do. He's completely right about it. Maybe they're going to also train Foley to be a guy that can play more true eye, true tack, and he becomes a more complete player under this staff. I mean, he's no stranger to playing outside of nose tackle. He had close to, uh, I think, 184 snaps last year at three tech. So he's been known to move around, and he's shown to be successful wherever he goes, especially against the run. Uh, I think he does have some room to improve, but especially in terms of a pass rusher. But yeah, on early downs, I think it will be hard to take him off the field, especially with the amount of penetration he gets up the middle. It's, it, you can constantly see him pushing centers back into quarterbacks, and that pressure up the middle is invaluable. Uh, I really love what he brings to the table. Uh, But yeah, if we do want more speed penetrators, then yeah, maybe he does get lost a little bit. But it's sort of nice having that option to have that stout run defender, that anchor in the middle. And they're definitely not going to get rid of him. (laughs) They're definitely keeping him. Uh, I've definitely seen some people like, oh, maybe they trade him. Like, No way. No, no way. (laughs) They are keeping him. And I think... Yeah, I, I, I agree with uh, with you. If you think that he's going to have like 50% of the snaps, I think that's that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen, I, I want Foley to get more snaps than I think he's ultimately going to. Like, this is my, my analysis and what I think is going to happen is not necessarily matching up with what I want, not in the worst way possible. But 
but I, I agree with exactly what you guys are saying that teams are going to want to run the ball. And because they know the Jets have such good pass rushers, they're going to want to run the ball more. And they're going to want to set up play action because they know the corners are inexperienced and they'll probably be able to fool them with some double moves. I, it, it makes sense as to why teams are going to want to run the ball on the Jets and they're going to want to do it early and often. And you have to have guys on early downs that can be your run stoppers. And when you have a guy like Foley where we're not, he's not just an average run stuffer. He's like towards the top of the league and like run stuffing. He's an excellent run stuffer. This is a guy that is in terms of what his role is. One of the best guys at doing his role in the NFL. And that's not a guy that you want to be taking off the field all the time. That's not a guy that you want to be just having sitting as a backup constantly. I agree completely that he should be getting more opportunities and the Jets hopefully will run a little more of a true. I don't, he doesn't need to be a true nose. He can be a shade. He can be a one tech. He's moved over around the field before. It's not like this is, this isn't Snacks Harrison. Let's be very clear. Snacks Harrison was a nose tackle and that was it. I'm going to be head up over the center. I'm never going to do anything to penetrate the pocket, but you're never going to move me off my spot either. And that's it. And Foley has shown that he can penetrate and that he can get some pressure in the backfield, that his run stops aren't just him standing in his one spot and two gapping and reaching an arm out and grabbing the guy and bringing him down. That's him beating a guard to the inside on his own play and tackling the running back for a loss. That's a guy you want on the field. And I really hope that he gets more. I don't want to say more opportunities because I don't think I, I really hope he gets his opportunities, I think is the way to say it, because he deserves them. And I think he's an important piece of this team. Agreed. It's nice to have variety. You can get yeah. those cool ranch Doritos. You can get the regular Doritos, maybe some sour cream and onion, you know, like one of those variety packs. Well, now you yeah. got defenders that can do just about anything and, and mm-hmm. you can you can adjust to whatever the offense is throwing at you. And we have the guys to adjust to do a lot of different things, to attack many different ways. And yeah, the it's, Jets, it's fun to have that. The Jets defensive line is like the, the variety pack of the small boxes of cereals at the grocery store that you always wanted your mom to get you when you were a kid because they have like five different ones at once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, it's good. They, they are deep. And that is going to lead us to the last guy uh, that we're including in the top six. And that is going to be Sheldon Rankins. We've brought him up before. Matt, go ahead and finish off with Sheldon Rankins. Tell us why this is another guy that probably deserves his opportunities too. He does. Well, Sheldon Rankins has had a lot of ups and downs in his career. Uh, It's a story of sacks and injuries. After being selected, I think, 12th overall by the Saints. Uh, Rankins missed, I think, the first seven games of the season with a leg fracture. And then once he returned, he found Nietzsche as a rotational guy. I think he only had about four sacks, something and maybe a handful of pressures. Uh, 2017, 2018, uh, those were kind of the glory days for Rankins. Uh, it's during this time he earned himself a starting role. 2017, he picked up the, the most pressures of his career with 50. In 2018, he picked up the most sacks of his career with eight. Uh, and then it sort of went downhill from there. He started missing more and more time after that. Uh, and he's sort of just been putting up menial numbers in rotational roles. Now, where do we have him now? Now we have him just like everybody else that's not cure Lawson as a rotational guy that can really fit in as being that guy that comes in maybe late in games to sub for Q or, uh, or Foley or JFM. And he can pick up the slack and he can have those fresh legs. And he's such a penetrator. His uh, burst off the snap, his, his quick hands, his ability to just have interior linemen just lunging for air. Uh, he has that ability to be a menace. Uh, but the thing is, is that he never, really, he never really reaches his potential in this rotational role. I saw the most that they were able to get out of him is when he was a full-time starter, was when he was able to get into a rhythm. So I'm not sure that this rotational role is probably what's going to set him free. I think what will set him free is maybe the fact that he's surrounded by this all-star cast of defenders. But I, I think he does need that time to, to sort of ramp up his talent, to sort of get into that rhythm and, uh, and find his skill set. Uh, but he will definitely be a guy that you want coming off the bench. 
uh, he he brings it every down. And one thing I noticed with him that I've noticed with just about everybody else on this team is that they're all very humble. They're all very humble and also very confident in their game. Uh, they're always talking about the guy next to them. They allowed me to do this. Uh, I did this, but I needed him to do this, and he did. He talked to all of them, Rankins on down to to the next guy next to them. They're always talking about each other rather than themselves. Uh, and it's nice to have a group that sort of picks each other up, that sort of cheers the other guy on. I I, I like this camaraderie that 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 uh, Douglas has built here. Uh, but what do you guys think of Rankins? Vitor, go ahead and lead it off. It sounded like you were you were quite the fan of Rankins. So I'll let you have the floor. Yeah, Rankings, you know, I think the key for him to have success here in New York is staying healthy, right? He he was never healthy in the last two years of his career, but he's an extremely talented pass rusher on the inside. You know, I, I love JFM. I love Franklin Myers, but I feel like Rankings is more approved than Franklin Myers. I feel like Rankings has dealt with a larger sample size than Myers, and he has played well. The problem is he cannot stay healthy. And the Jets pay good money for Shadow Rankings, right? He's getting paid. So I feel like Rankings is a guy that's going to be an important part of this front four. Yeah, maybe rotating, you know, as we said, good linemen or fresh linemen. So maybe him and JFM get half-half snaps and just go after the passer. Don't worry about anything else. But I feel like Rankings is a guy that some fans may be sleeping on right now. And in the end of the year, he can be a huge contributor, like maybe five sacks, six sacks. And, you know, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I really liked him coming out of Louisville when he was a prospect. He was really, really quick off the ball. He had a really good spin move, which is not something you see out of uh, defensive tackles often, but he was good with it. And, you know, it was it was a shame to see him get hurt because he was able to rebound and come back to that form. But you know, he he was built as this penetrating, explosive three tech pass rusher that was undersized in the mold of a Geno Atkins. And I'm not going to say in the mold of an Aaron Donald because no one's in the mold of an Aaron Donald. And I hate <laughs> when people do that. But um, in the mold of a Geno Atkins or in the mold of somebody like that, that's what he was built as. And that's why he was taken 12th overall. And he still had has had a solid career. He's worked his way. He's been a productive player. He's been starting when he's had been healthy enough to start he's been a starter and he has not been a liability by any stretch of the imagination and yeah he he is going to get paid and he is getting paid and he is going to get his time and i i think primarily his role if i had to guess i think he's quinnon's primary backup and that when they need someone else to wear if it's we need some guy to come in with the starting group if quinnon's gassed and we just need a, a down to not completely lose out on our three tech. And we want to keep JFM in his spot or everybody else where they want to be. Then Rankin slides in and becomes your three tech in place of Quinn and Williams. I also think that as much as I've been talking about where it's going to be JFM on the inside, and I think there is going to be a lot of that. I think the jets are going to have a specific pass rush package where from Starting with Carl Lawson from right to left, it is going to be Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams, Sheldon Rankins, Franklin Myers, and good luck. That's all I'm going to say about that is good luck. That's a you lot. You can of... even do it with five guys, right? Maybe yeah. get to kill at zero attack yeah. and go from Lawson to Curry with scheme 101s for rankings and JFM with guards, man, oh man. Oof. It's a lot of penetrating power and heft i like it. oh yeah yeah absolutely absolutely i could even see in some rare rare instances where maybe they're like it's a schemed pressure maybe on a stunt they put quinn in at right end and put what rankins and jfm inside and maybe they run an et with quinn and jfm could be yeah uh, it's the possibilities are endless when you have that guy like rankins that can be another guy to fill that role it's really really useful and it, it's this defensive line is going to be something it's, yeah. it's it is the strongest unit on the team. And I don't even think it's particularly close. The thing with Rankins, he's only 27, but I feel yeah. like when people think of him, they think of him as a lot older because he's just yeah, been if, weathered from injuries. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, I have a lot of confidence in his ability. I just want to see it consistently. And I don't know if we can see it consistently if he's just not getting a primary heft of the snaps. 
that is what yeah. worries me about him. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, I definitely agree with you that he seemed like the more playing time he got, the better he did overall. And that when he is a guy that's coming in and out, maybe it'll be more hard for him to go to find a rhythm and get going. Um, it, it's It'll be left to be seen. I do think that at the end of the day, if Sheldon Rankins is your backup three tech, you have a really solid defensive line. And, and that's the, the important thing is that even if Sheldon Rankins would be better playing more snaps primarily for him specifically, if he's still going to be solid as a backup player for what he's asked to be, then that's what he's going to be. And I don't think he's just going to be a backup. I really don't. I think he's going to get his snaps. I think the Jets defensive line is just going to rotate everybody constantly. I think trying to peg who's going to be the, the four guys that are playing is kind of pointless because it's Quinnen and Lawson and everybody else subbing in. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's the conclusion for me. That's the conclusion for me. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Why don't we just do the handful of backup extra guys? We'll go through these real quick, kind of rapid fire. Uh, let's start with the edges. We'll just do them all as a group. Um, we got Jabari Zuniga was the fourth round, third round pick, actually, excuse me. Uh, and Joe Douglas's first draft didn't really do much as a rookie, but was incredibly athletically talented. And we're hoping maybe in year two with some better coaching might have something because uh, they do need that other defensive end. Um, across from Carl Lawson as much as we're hoping Vinny Curry can be that guy he is 33 he won't be here forever so they do need some other guy to be a threat off the edge uh, we'll see what Zuniga can do we also have Bryce Huff who was undrafted player from last year who showed more than Zuniga did as an undrafted player smaller quick off the ball um, good speed around the edge uh, Kyle Phillips after that defensive tackle defensive end hybrid I think is going to be interesting to see what role he fills on this team I think if you had to to pick anybody out of the roster that's already on the roster where people were talking about, Oh, well maybe they trade Foley. I think it's maybe they trade Kyle Phillips and we'll see what happens when we get to training camp and we'll see what you guys think as well. But that's, that's where I stand. A um, couple other guys that were recent additions. We have Hamaclear Rashid, uh, the undrafted free agent from Oregon state at a big year, a couple of years ago in sacks, not so much the year before, not quite sure why he went undrafted because he still seemed talented enough, um, but not quite more than anything else going on. Um, in the second year, see if he can rebound to form past that. Uh, and then finally, one guy I added in real quick that was a recent signing was Ronald Blair, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers defensive end. Robert Sala's famous quote, if you want to win, you want Ronald, Ronald Blair, uh, makes me think that he's going to make the team. And it's important to talk about somebody that the head coach is that emphatic about, especially a guy that we all trust like Robert Sala. Uh, guys, anybody out of this list you want to cover uh, more in depth? By all means, go for it. Well, honestly, I'm excited to see the evolution of Jabari Zaniga and Bryce Huff. Last year, Zaniga, I think he played like less than 100 snaps, a lot less, and he did absolutely nothing. And he wasn't a pick that I got really excited about when it was made, but also it was an early pick for Douglas, so he will make the team. He'll make the team, and we all better hope that Salah gets things going with him and he becomes a solid defensive lineman because his injury, as you said, we need another defensive end in the long run. And Bryce Huff, man, I'm excited to see what the Jets do with, with Huff. The Jets have plenty of ad rushers right now. They have Blair, they have Curry, they have Lawson, they have JFM, they're going to use him there, and, and they have Zuniga. And Huff had a great rookie season. And right now, I don't, I don't know if he's going to make the team. He was a guy that was, as Andrew has perfectly laid out, he's small, but he's fast, man. He can get around tackles. He created good pressures, especially against Fitzpatrick and the Dolphins. And it's so hard to get pressure against Fitz because he gets rid of the ball so quickly. And, and, and Huff was a guy that lived in the backfield when he played there. So I, I thought Huff had a, had a role as a situational pass rusher. But right now, the room is so crowded that I really don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, with Huff, we really don't have anybody else that's as fast as Huff around the edge. Yeah. We don't have any other person that's, at, that's a lightning bolt like him. So I think he sort of needs to stick around just to have that option because it's, it's needed. You need people to worry about the edge. They need people to sort of thrive in that wide nine and, and spread teams out a little bit. Uh, My other two guys here are Blair and, and and Zuniga. Of course with them, they just need to stay healthy. Uh, if they can, especially Blair, it's I can't really see anybody bumping him off the roster. Uh, Zuniga is somebody I, re- I really like, but uh, and he's another guy that can sort of play inside and outside. 
Uh, there's no shortage of those guys, so uh, you, can, you can always use more depth there. Now, if you had to choose any of these guys to cut and maybe store on the practice squad, who do you think that would be? Hmm. That's hard, man, because I think if, if Huff gets stashed in the practice squad, someone's going to pick him up. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see Huff really making a pass. Uh, yeah. Bendy explosive pass rushers are uh, wanted by everybody. I would yep. say Marshall, probably. Marshall has that, mm-hmm. that that upside and a lot of growth, but I don't think he's going to be there by the end of camp. I don't think he's going to show all of that at, by the end of camp. So I think we could cut Marshall potentially and sto- store him on the practice squad. I really, really like that, actually. Because he does not know what he is doing at all. Like no. his, his awareness and his football IQ and his, his understanding of plays or where the ball is or, or, or any part of the mental aspect of the game is just not there for him. But good God, is he an athlete? And if that, it, like, I, wow. I, I'm actually, I hope that happens because I really want to give this guy his time with this coaching staff to grow and learn. Because I think when you have a talent like that, that you can get in the seventh round and you have coaches that are so talented at coaching uh, players like this, you want to give them time. But I I completely agree that I don't think it's worth keeping a a roster spot for Jonathan Marshall, even though he was a seventh round pick because he's not going to give you anything this year at all. In, In a lot of ways, he could even be a liability and, I think he could be a. I'm yeah. I'm on board completely. I'm. That's a great idea. So now, if we're saying we keep ten edge and interior guys, who do you guys think are those ten guys? The six we talked about, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I think are definitely going to be there. And then I'm going to go Zuniga, Blair, Huff, and Nathan Shepard. Okay. The same. Absolutely the same. That's it. Huff, Shepard, Zuniga, and Blair as the other four. I think Phillips edges out Zuniga. Really? I, I, I think either Blair... Talent-wise, I think Phillips is better than Zuniga. I also I think, don't disagree I don't, with that either. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't I, don't... I don't know if I should say talent-wise, but right now he's a better player than Zuniga. The thing is, will Joe Douglas cut his third-rounder? In his second year, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think Douglas is scared to do that. I don't think he's afraid to cut cut loose for somebody better. And uh, we'll all admit that Phillips is better. And here's another thing. What are the chances that both Blair and Zuniga stay healthy? I also don't think that's going to happen. And if any of those two would stick around while her, it would probably be Blair. You know, I don't. I don't I'm not going to say I can't see it because I do think if Ronald Blair is that much better and Kyle Phillips is that much better than Jabari Zuniga, then this is a coaching staff that didn't draft him and doesn't have any attachment to him. And Joe Douglas does, but the coaches don't. And they may look at it and go, well, these are the guys I want. And we just don't have the roster spot for Jabari Zuniga. It's not, you know, they have other guys at defensive line, but and this is the point I'm going to make where I think is the reason they end up keeping him is if there is one guy quite honestly on this entire roster that you could build in a lab to be a strong side defensive end in this system, it's Jabari Zuniga. And he has the, he is the textbook build athlete profile to be that strong side. end, especially now that you have Carl Lawson and he's going to be more of your weak side guy and you have Quinn and Williams established if Zuniga can just become a solid strong side end, he's going to get so many one-on-one opportunities to do what he's best at that I think that's what they're hoping for. But just because you might be hoping for that doesn't mean reality is going to work out that way. And if I was Kyle Phillips, I would be doing everything in my power to maybe try and slim down and say, screw being a defensive tackle. I want to be a strong side end because I think he could be really good at that, really good at it in the system. I think so as well. And if we're talking about just pure upside as far in terms of edge, I think Huff probably has 
a good deal amount of upside over. Zuniga as well. Yeah, I worry about Huff in this scheme. Um, that's kind of my only thing with him because I don't know if you guys noticed this last year, but it stood out to me. Even when he was playing base end, he rushed with his uh, with his hand up. That he was a two point rusher at as a four three base end, and it's because he played as a two point rusher in college, and that's where he's comfortable getting his jump, and he's not used to being in a three point stance and being able to explode and bend the same way. I just thought it was funny that you have three guys with their hand in the dirt, and then you have Bryce Huff on the other edge standing up. Uh, so. That kind of makes me think that his if his best fit would be more as a, a three four linebacker, and I'm not quite sure if he, I don't know if he has the body to be a full time defensive end in this system. But as a sub player off the edge, that you know is just going to come in on pass rush downs where all he has to do is beat the tackle. He's damn good at that, and that might be enough to keep him around because that's we. It seems like that's what they prioritize. Yeah, you had a great point here. He could be mainly suited for a 3-4 outs linebacker role in pass downs, like stand-up versus the passer. I don't know if he's going to do that a lot in this game. You're right. Yeah, I don't think he'll do it a lot, but I think he'll do it enough that he'll sort Could of, yep. he'll sort of uh, chip away a little role for himself there as do, just doing that. Yeah, to go against my own point, Robert Sala totally seems like the guy that doesn't give a crap whether your hand's in the dirt or not as long as you're getting to the quarterback. So maybe it's not going to matter. And and this is if, if that's what gets it done, that's what gets it done. Because if it's he seems like a guy that's probably only going to be in, in passing situations anyway. So who cares? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, well, that's going to round it out, guys. Um, this has been a really good show. Uh, I think it's been a lot of fun. This has been a this is the deepest line or deepest group on the team. We've said it a lot before. Um, I think this is going to be a year where you see Quinn and Williams unlocked and up there is everyone unquestionably saying he should have been the third pick in the draft and was worth the pick and is, you know, fighting for top of the league. I think Carl Lawson, the good thing about Carl Lawson is, yes, he got paid, but he has something to prove. And that is that he is worth that money and that he can generate the sacks and, I think he has enough of his internal motivation to where that doesn't matter as much to him anyway, but I have no worries of this being another jets free agent where they get a bunch of money and then they come in and they immediately suck. Like I, that is, I I have no worries about that at all. Carl with Carl Lawson, he's completely wired the right way. He completely wants to be great. He wants to be as, as dangerous as anybody in the NFL. And I think he's in the right spot to, to get there. I don't know. I will say, I want to temper expectations because everyone I think is expecting this huge, gigantic 14, 15 sack year from Carl Lawson. Carl Lawson gets 10 sacks. That's a good year. When's the last time the Jets had an edge rusher that got 10 sacks? Like that's like, that's let's not so much again. Let's not worry so much about the sack numbers after we're going to spend months telling everybody, don't worry about the sack numbers. Um, Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Guys, if you have anything you want to add before we get out of here, floor is yours because I I just I could talk about this all day long and I think we've said a lot already, but I'm sure there's something I'm missing. So go ahead. Uh, if this unit doesn't end up being a top 15 defensive line unit, I will probably be disappointed. There's just so much talent here that and if this coaching staff can't figure out how to maximize their strengths to get a top unit, I, I would be very disappointed. Yeah, they, they should be at least top 10. At, in, and at least for sack numbers right here, you know, our pressures. They're going to be good. They have the talent. The scheme matches their talent. They have coaches. Things are going to go and work just well for this unit. I'm just excited and I can't wait to see them play. Yeah, oh, it's 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 going to be great. It's going to be great. I think uh, more so than anything else, if you're looking at the projection of the Jets over the next couple of years, they've done a lot of foundation building on the offense recently. And I think this defensive line is the foundation for their defense of the future. And everything okay. is going to build off from this. And let's get these guys in. Let's get them gelling. Let's get them used to playing together. Let's get them at their primes and build people on top of that. Because you win the ball and you win in the trenches. As as simple as it is, that is the game of football. You win by not being able to, if you can't run or pass, you're not going to be able to score. And if you can't stop the run or pass, you're not going to be able to stop people from scoring. 
you do that by winning in the trenches. It's been that way for a hundred years since this game is played. And it seems like Joe Douglas and Robert Solid know that better than most other people. That's it. That's it. That's it. Guys, that's been our show. This has been the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we're going to be back next week. I think we're thinking linebackers, guys. Thanks, so. Sam. Linebackers sounds like a lot of fun to continue on uh, with the defense. Uh, you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17. Guys, you know the drill. Find me at Zazzy Jets. And you can find me at Vitor Paiva M. Thank you guys for listening. It'll be at OKD Podcast on Twitter. And we'll be back next week with the linebacker position preview. Bye-bye. Thank you.